Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. So far in our series, we've been taking a look at some big general topics regarding finances. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, in the first week, we took a look at what is true wealth. For us to talk about finances means that we're going to have to think about this idea of what does it mean to really be wealthy? What does it mean to really be rich? And we, we talked about that as Christians, we understand uh, what does it matter if the man gained the whole world and yet lose his own soul? We understand that if you're saved, like we were singing about this morning and talking about this morning already, you're rich. You're wealthy because you have a home in heaven and you have an inheritance in heaven. There's some true wealth that is there. And a lot of people as uh, Christians as well can be fooled into thinking that they are wealthy because they have a lot of money. And that deception can trick people into the way that they live here on earth. We also took a look uh, two weeks ago how money is a test. And money reveals a lot about ourselves to us. We can find out about our character, we can find out about our nature, our behaviors, some of our mentality by looking at how do we handle our finances? Are we careful? Are we frivolous? Do we waste too much? And all of these sorts of things. And last week we saw how money is not the goal. All right? The goal in life is not to get as much money as possible. Money is simply a tool to get to the goal. As Christians, our goal is not to be the wealthiest person we could possibly be here on earth. Our goal is to glorify God, to honor the Lord, to submit to Him, and God will reward by making us, if we could use the word, wealthy in heaven, by laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Today and next week, we're going to take a look at some very practical principles, meaning all right, now we're going to get into the little bit of the nitty-gritty of finances and money. And I think it's important for us to consider these aspects. Now, some people, uh, you're very good with money. Uh, maybe you work with money. Maybe you've dealt with money. Maybe you're just kind of that personality where you're on top of your finances, making sure that all of these things are going to the appropriate places. You're planning these things out. Maybe you're like that. Some people have that natural personality or disposition. Some of you, maybe you, do, you don't have that disposition. Maybe you're just, you know, a, a free spirit and, uh, you know, you just you see how it goes. Maybe you're that kind of personality or disposition. But no matter the disposition, the principle of the Word of God is the same. And that principle applies to you no matter how you handle your finances or how you think about it. And Luke chapter 16, verse number 11, gives us quite an important principle, which is this, that we should be faithful with our finances. We should consider how we handle our finances on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis, because he says, if therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous man, and what he's saying is, if you're not even taking care of this earthly money, who would commit to you true riches? Right? This is almost like a little bit of a, hey, let's see if you can handle this. Let's see if you can take care of this. Let, this little thing, let's see how you handle this little thing, and if you can handle this little thing, then maybe I'll give you a little bit more. That's kind of the general principle that's here. And what God is saying is, money is a little thing, 
And there's bigger things that God wants to give to us. There's some bigger things. And of course, we know about that in the ministry, the word of God, and, and, and soul winning, all of those sorts of things. And what God wants us to do is to consider our finances. Are we being faithful in our finances? And so we're going to take a look at some very practical principles from the word of God regarding, all right, how do I handle my finances? God, you want me to handle it uh, 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 faithfully? What does that mean? All right, so today we're going to take a look at three guidelines or three principles, uh, three aspects of practical uh, handling of money. The first of which is game planning your money. Game planning your money. You need to have a plan. Uh, right now, if you're a basketball fan, you'll know that the NBA Finals are going on. And if you ever watch a basketball game and the team calls a timeout, all right, or they're coming in and out of you know, some you know, commercial break or whatever, you'll often notice that the coach is holding a clipboard. And that clipboard is no normal clipboard. If you take a look at that clipboard, you'll take a look at it and you'll see, hey, that looks just like a basketball court. And so they have this little drawing of a basketball court and they'll be drawing X's and O's. This is what you're gonna do and you're gonna go over here and this is the plan. And, and so when we come out of this timeout, you're gonna run this play. This is what we are going to do. And so a coach will have a game plan. And that's what we need to do as well. We need to have a game plan. Uh, maybe you're really on top of your finances. Maybe you're really not aware of what's going on with your finances at all. But either way, you should have a plan. Have a plan. Proverbs chapter 27, verse number 23 says, Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks, and look well to thy herds. So God wants us to know, how are we doing? All right, what's the condition of my flocks? What is the condition of, maybe today, our financial situation? Proverbs chapter 21, verse number five, the thoughts or the plans or the ideas of the diligent tend only to plenteousness, but of everyone that is hasty only to want. So the idea is to have a plan. Find out your financial situation. Now, in the old days, you have to do this by hand. You would manually have to write out every expense and you know categorize them and do it on a sheet of paper or something. Now, there's a lot of uh, technological tools that you can use to help you get on top of your finances. Uh, if you don't have a plan, now I'm sure many of you already have a system in place. If you do, that's great. You got something in place and you can just keep using whatever you're using if that's what you like. If you don't have anything, like you're saying, you know what, I know that you know, I have a bank account, I write checks or I'm paying bills and I have a credit card, but I don't really know exactly where all I'm spending my money. How much am I spending on groceries every month? What do my utilities look like? How much am I spending on gas? I know I'm spending more, but I, I, I don't know the exact levels of all of these things. If you don't know these things, then you should find out. And there's a lot of tools. The tool that I use and the one that I've been using is an app called Mint. I usually don't you know, give recommendations like this, but it's a great place to start where you could connect all of your accounts, whatever you want, and it'll just, it'll put them all in place and you can categorize them and it'll give you this list of, all right, this month you've had this much coming in, you've had this much going out, this is how much is on your credit card, all of those sorts of things, you've been spending this much at these places. Um, 
And so it's a great place to begin. So that's the idea. At least have something. Maybe you get an app. Maybe you do it by hand. Maybe you ask your spouse to do it. <laughs> you know, whatever the case, have something. Have a plan because God says, be diligent to know the state of thy flocks. Figure out exactly where you stand. Are you doing okay? Are you falling behind every month? Where exactly do you stand? Now, once you have that, at least a way for you to know where you stand, then you've got to put a budget in place. That's usually when we talk about game planning our finances, we're talking about a budget. Now, a budget is something that people don't want to talk about because who wants a budget, right? I just want to make money and spend my money and live my life. But you need to have a budget. All right, I didn't expect amens there, but I, we should, all right? You need to have a budget. All right, a few, two, two. I got two on the second one, all right? You need to have one. You can't live your life without having a budget. You need to have one. Okay, fewer amens, all right? I'm still going to have to pound on this a little bit longer. You need to have a plan. You need to know how much is coming in, how much is, is going out, and you need to have a plan for this is how much we spend on food, this is how much we spend on, you know, just the, you know, entertainment or the things that we just want to enjoy, eating out, all of those sorts of things. You need to have a plan, and you need to assign your dollars to a place. So think of your dollars as little infantrymen that are going to go out and fight economic battles for you, all right? Now, if you're a commander of an army and you see some enemies coming in, like rent, <laughs> you know, car insurance, you know, your phone bill coming at you, they're going to come at you. You're like, what are you going to do? I got to send somebody out to fend off these attackers, all right? You need to have a plan. Now, if you're a good soldier or if you're a good commander, what do you do? You don't just say to your soldiers, all right, go out there and fight and win battles for me. You know, you don't do that, right? A good commander would say, all right, I see over on this side, we got a big army over here or a big battalion or something. We got to put more enforcements over here. We got to have some over here. There's not so many over here, so we could pull some over here and put it over there. You got to have a plan. You have an idea of, I know my rent is a big deal, so I got to assign a lot of dollars to that place. Maybe gas, you know, as gas has been rising, you understand that, all right? I got to put some more over in this category, which means uh, if you haven't gotten a raise, then you got to think about, all right, that money that goes over there has to come from somewhere. Where is it going to come from? Are you going to take it from your cell phone bill? Are you going to take it from your groceries? Are you going to where are you going to take it from? It's got to come from something. So you got to think about those sorts of things. You got to have a plan. You got to have a budget. Now, a budget is telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. This is a key principle with budgets. Okay, a budget is not something you look at at the end of the month to see what you did. A budget is a plan to tell you what to do this month, okay? That's what a budget is, all right? And a lot of people don't uh, uh, understand that principle, and that's why they think budgets don't work. I have a budget, and it never works, okay? Maybe it doesn't work for you if you're always looking back on your budget, but don't do that. Look at your next month. We're here at the beginning of the month of June, all right? So you're going to build a budget. I know my rent is going to be a fixed cost maybe this month. Uh, maybe your cell phone bill and, you know, internet, some of these things are a fixed cost. 
and, and there's some other things that are maybe quote unquote, you know, variable costs, but you know, you could make some adjustments to kind of fit within your budget when you go grocery shopping, right? You can make some adjustments to say, you know what, uh, maybe I need to, because of some uh, unforeseen event, I got to pull back a little bit. So maybe on groceries, we could substitute a few things, or maybe you're like, you know what, it's fine. Let's splurge a little bit. And there's some variable costs that are there. The point is this, have a plan looking forward and decide, all right, this is how much I will put towards rent. This is how much I will put towards groceries. This is how much I will put towards utilities, all of these sorts of things, savings, tithing. So when I have my budget and uh, so I have everything categorized. So I have, you know, I have tithe emissions, I have rent, I have insurance, I have all of that stuff categorized. So I know exactly which bills are coming when, how much they're going to be roughly and uh, all of those sorts of things. So I have it categorized like that. And so I'm telling my dollars, I know, all right, this month for tithe, this is how much is going to go out towards the tithe. So I have my rent, I have you know, gas, and uh, all of the things that you have to do as well. So all of those things are in place. Now, so you need to have a plan, and then you gotta think about, all right, what are the categories that you're gonna put in place? So maybe before you even get any apps or anything, if you've never put in a budget, just write it down on a piece of paper, all right? What are the things that come up every single month or every single six months or whatever? You know, I have, you know, rent, you know, car payment, you know, all of those sorts of things. Write it down and uh, tithe, missions. I do all of those things. I do everything and put in all of those categories. And then I encourage you either put them in order of importance or at least group them for this I have to have, all right? I can't live without a place to live, right? I need to pay rent. That has to be there, right? And you have some other things. I have to eat, all right? Some food, groceries has to go up there. Now, there are some other things that might be like, well, I want to have them, but if I didn't have them, I could still survive, right? Maybe you eat out at restaurants or you go out and get coffee, right? Those might be in a second tier, a second level. And you have maybe lower levels of, if I have extra money, then I would love to do this, but you know, on a regular monthly basis, maybe I don't have any of those things. So you might have those things. Some people, if that's a little bit much, some people would say, you know what, me and my you know, spouse, neither of us is kind of great with you know, numbers and all of those sorts of things. Some people just use a general rule. All right, a rule that I've seen online is called the 50-30-20 rule, which is, and this is you know, not by somebody who's a Christian, but 50% goes to your needs, 30% goes to your wants, 20% either goes to savings or donations or things like that. As a Christian, we would say, all right, tithe is 10%, and then you have a certain percentage. Here in LA, maybe rent's a little bit more expensive than other places, maybe your needs are a little bit more, things like that. Hey, maybe not exactly that percentage, but it gives you a ballpark idea of, all right, Things are gonna be tight this month, so we gotta pull back on something from our wants categories, all right? Maybe this month we're not gonna eat out as much. Maybe this month we're not gonna go take that trip or whatever, and we're gonna push it off another month, whatever the case might be. So you need to have that idea in place. You need to also be aware of different possibilities that would be unexpected, all right? So maybe this month everything went according to plan and you're fine. But not every month will go according to plan. Some things will come up that are unexpected. Some things will come up that you weren't planning on, right? Maybe your car gets a flat tire, 
All right? Maybe you uh, have to go to the hospital and go to the emergency room for some reason. You got to pay some, uh, some medical bills. Maybe something breaks in your house and you got to fix it. You got to replace an appliance, uh, things like that. Uh, all of those sorts of things need to be planned on. So you should put in some buffer zone. That's what your savings is for. People wonder, why do I have to save money? You know, I'm, I'm making it every single month. All right? Maybe you made it this month, but you need to have something. Uh, 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 some buffer zone to allow for some variability because inevitably something's going to happen, right? You're going to get a flat tire, something's going to happen, you have to go to the emergency room, some unexpected expense, you know, you're going to have to go do these things, maybe the vacation is going to be more expensive than you thought it was going to be, whatever. You need to have that. Fourthly and lastly, though, when it comes to game planning is you need to stick to the plan. Amen? <laughs> if you have a plan and you don't stick to the plan, why do you have a plan, <laughs> right? That plan is not good for anything because you're not sticking to it. So if you have a plan, this is your plan. I'm not making this plan for you. You make your own financial plan. Stick to the plan. That's the difficulty of it. Sticking to the plan. Sticking to, all right, this month we are a little bit tight. So we're not able to eat out as much, all right? Sometimes that can be tough if you've always just been like, you know what, I'm tired, let's go out to eat, I just wanna go eat this or whatever. Maybe you're just used to that kind of living and maybe that's you know, been okay, but then you look at the state of your flocks and you take a look at your financial situation and you're thinking, ah, you know what, uh, this month is a little bit, it's not going the way that I thought it would. You got to stick to the plan. It requires some discipline. It requires sometimes a level of contentment of, uh, you know what, I want this, but this month I can't have it. I need to be content. And sometimes it requires even humility to understand, you know what, I don't always get all the things that I want when I want them. Sometimes I have to wait. Sometimes I can't have it right now. Sometimes I have to push it off. Sometimes I will never get the thing that I really, really want, but I'm going to maybe get something else, or maybe one day I'll get it in the future. So some of these things can be helpful. So game plan your money. You need to have a plan of some sort. The second principle we're gonna take a look at today is generating your money, all right? Making money. How do I get money? How do I earn money? All right, we have a recent uh, high school graduate, all right? Now you're gonna be making money. Well, soon, <laughs> all right? So you're gonna make money, all right? What's the plan? What's the plan for making money? Well, God's plan is work. All right, I'm sure all of you knew that already. Proverbs 14, verse 23. In all labor, there is profit, but the talk of the lips tendeth only to penury. Uh, Proverbs 13, verse number four. The soul of the slugger desireth and haveth nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made flat. Uh, shall be made flat, shall be made fat. All right, God's plan is not the lottery. God's plan is not the government. God's plan is not stealing. God's plan is work, all right? So you should plan on working and working faithfully. Proverbs 28, verse number 20, a faithful man shall abound with blessings, but he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. So God's plan is to work faithfully, consistently, and continually, 
all right? The idea is if you would be wealthy, and of course that's not God's plan for everybody, and maybe uh, even if you happen upon a great amount of wealth that you would want to give it away, many people do that, but the idea is if you desire to be rich or wealthy, be rich or wealthy gradually, all right? Don't get caught up in get-rich-quick schemes, okay? That is not God's plan, okay? That is not God's plan. Now, you may, happenstance, become rich suddenly, right? We've heard about stories, people who received an inheritance from a relative that they didn't even really know about, but just happened to be very wealthy, and, and, and they gave them a big inheritance, and suddenly they got millions of dollars. Maybe you do have a brilliant business idea, and suddenly you, you built this business, and you're making a lot of money, or you sold the business, and, and suddenly you have a lot of money. Things like that can happen, but the idea is you should not build your life around how can I get rich quick, all right? That's not God's plan. God's plan is work consistently, and if God blesses or you have a great idea and you do make a lot of money, great, that's fine. But don't get caught up with the idea of, you know what, I want to make, you know, a million dollars and this is how I'm going to do it, you know, and, and try to scheme your way into it. All right. And the idea is work. Be faithful. Proverbs chapter 12, verse number 11. He that tilleth his land shall be satisfied with bread, but he that followeth vain persons is void of understanding. The idea is God has given you land or God has given you a place to work work it, all right? Work the land. That's the idea. And work fervently, all right? You have a place where you work. Work hard at it. Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 10, verse number 18. By much slothfulness, the building decayeth, and through idleness of the hands, the house droppeth through. Proverbs chapter 12. The slothful, slothful man roasteth not that which he took in hunting, but the substance of a diligent man is precious. The idea is Work and work hard. Work hard at your job. And we have so many opportunities here in our country, so we should work and work hard wherever it is that you are. Uh, Proverbs chapter 10, verse number 4. He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. He that gathereth in summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causeth shame. So the idea is you should work, have a job, and work hard at it, and work even when you don't feel like it. All right, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 4. The sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold, therefore shall he beg in harvest and have nothing. So the idea here is to work, to work hard, to work consistently and faithfully. This is a lot of what we think about when we think about our kids, think about kids in elementary school, middle school, and high school. A big part of what we are trying to do in training our kids is train them to work, to work hard, and to work even when you don't feel like it, okay? Now, one of the things that I realized when I went to college, I went to college and I 
got a couple of internships, and I, you know, was, you know, working out in the, you know, the businesses, and, and uh, you know, as an intern, they don't give you big responsibilities, right? But you get to kind of see what's kind of going on, you know, what are, your, what, what are your coworkers or potentially future coworkers, what kinds of work do they do, and, and I got to see some of those things, and I, I got to do some of the things that, you know, they had asked me to do and participate in, and one of the things that I realized was when you go to college, or, 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 you know, you graduate high school, you get a job, whatever, you have all of this thing, all of these things that you've learned, right? All through your uh, elementary, middle school, high school, college years, all of these things that you've learned, most of them, you don't use them, <laughs> right? Right? How many of you have taken calculus and you say, since I got out of calculus class, I have never used calculus again, <laughs> right? How many of you learned all about world history, and you don't remember a thing about what happened in world history or U.S. history or, you know, you don't remember anything about biology or chemistry and all of those things. And you don't remember any of those things. Why? Because you don't use any of those things at your job. Now, you might, maybe you use math at your workplace, maybe you're a teacher, maybe you're doing some different things and you're able to incorporate some of this. But for the most part, a lot of what you quote unquote learn is not really used. Now you never know what part you're going to use and it's good to learn all of those things. It's good to learn history even if you don't use history in your job. It's good to know math, all of these sorts of things. But I think a great part of what we're trying to train and build in our young ones is to work, to work hard, and work hard even if you don't feel like it. Because not every subject is gonna be your favorite subject, right? If I were to ask all of you, what was your favorite subject in school? Well, probably some of you would say none, all right? I didn't have a single favorite subject. Some of you would say, oh, I love math, or I loved English, I loved history. Maybe you had a certain class that you really liked. Now, if I asked you the question, how many of you had a class you didn't like? What was your least favorite class? I'm pretty sure every one of you would have an answer, right? Every one of you would say, I hated math class. I couldn't, say, I couldn't wait to get out of math class. Or some of you, I can't wait to get out of history class. Or, you know, uh, chemistry. I, could, I hated chemistry. I hated physics. Or whatever class it was, you might have all of those things that you didn't like. And yet, you had to do it anyway, right? You're forced to do it. You're forced to go through the class. You're forced to study. You're forced to learn. You're forced to do those things. Why? Well, first of all, you never know. But also, I think a big part of why do we do some of these things is so that we would learn, hey, you know, when you become an adult, a lot of times you do have to do things that you don't like to do. And guess what? You don't get to graduate out of that class. <laughs> you got to keep doing them. You gotta keep, uh, you know, ha that's part of your job. You have some aspects of your job that you love, that you like, that you enjoy, but even if you're doing things that you love and enjoy, you have things that you're like, you know what, I don't really like doing this. <laughs> it's not my favorite part of the job. If I, if I could avoid doing this thing, I would love to give it off to somebody else, but this is my job. My boss has told me this is my responsibility and I have to do it. So a big part of what we're trying to train young people to do, those that are in school, you might think, why am I learning all these things? I'm not gonna do, use any of this. Well, at least learn how to work, to work hard and to work faithfully, all right? That's God's plan. God's plan is if you're in school, work, work hard, work faithfully. When you graduate and you get a job, Work, work hard, and work faithfully, all right? That's the plan. That's how you're going to make money, all right? So that's the one side of the plan of your finances, all right? The other half is what we're now gonna talk about. I've, I've called this guarding your money or protecting your money. 
Now, we talked about making money first because if you don't make any money, you don't have any money to save. So you got to make money first, and then you got to think about how do I save or defend my money from leaving, all right? If you have a bank account, think of it as a big bucket, all right? And making money is pouring water into the bucket. All of your expenses is like a hole at the bottom of the bucket, all right? So you're pouring money every, every two weeks or twice a month or every week, however often you get paid, you're pouring water, money, into your bucket. Now, every time you spend money, it's, money, it's water that's flowing out of the hole at the bottom of your bucket. Now, if you're, if you're pouring water in as fast as the, money, as the water is pouring out, at the end of the month, you have nothing in the bucket, right? There's nothing there, right? If you want something to be there, you've got to pour more money or more water in, right? That's one way of solving the problem. The other way of solving the problem is to make the hole at the bottom of your bucket smaller, right? There's two ways of going about this. Usually people think about, I got to make more money. I got to work harder. I got to get a raise. I got to do this. I got to, that's one way of doing it. A much easier way, though, is spend less. Spend less, right? I love what one author wrote about money and wealth. Wealth, by definition, is what you don't spend, right? People usually think about wealth as what they spend. Look at my car, look at my clothes, look at what I'm able to do, look at my vacations, look at all of that. By definition, you have spent the money and now you don't have it. So wealth is, by definition, what you don't spend. So if you want to be wealthier than you are today, you have to learn how to not spend it all. So you have to think about what you're not spending, what you're not spending. And this can be a big challenge, all right? Uh, I was reading uh, about something in the, uh, regarding the U.S. this year, as of April, which was two months ago, or really a month and a half ago, 61% of consumers say that they are living paycheck to paycheck, all right? Every month, every dollar that comes in goes out by the end of the month, all right? 61%, all right? Three out of every five people in America lives paycheck to paycheck. Now, the average person might think, well, the answer to that is just make more money. Right? If I make more money, then all of my problems will go away. The top earners, though, are also stretched thin. Of those earning $250,000 or more, okay, $250,000 a month or a year or more, 36% said that they live paycheck to paycheck. Okay? So here's the thing about it. And we don't know all the details of their finances, but the point is this, there is no end of ways that you could spend money, right? It doesn't matter how much money you have, you could find some way of spending that money, right? There's always a bigger house, there's always a nicer car, there's always a new technological gadget, there's another place that you haven't visited. There's another restaurant to go eat at. There's another thing that you could spend money on. There's all these ads being thrown your way. All of these things can come your way. And we need to be careful not to fall into the trap of, all right, every dollar that comes in goes out. 
I was reading that between 10 and 12% of consumers in the higher income brackets, all right, not just your average American, wealthy Americans, live, living paycheck to paycheck, had issues paying their bills in April of 2022, all right? So even if you're wealthy, 10 to 12% of these very wealthy people struggle to pay their bills. What, is that, what does that tell you? What it tells you is, it doesn't matter how much money you make if you spend more than you make. So don't spend more than you make, no matter how much you make. Let's say you make 50,000 a year. Let's say you make 100,000 a year. Let's say you make a million dollars a year. If you make a million dollars a year and you spend a million and one dollars every year, you're gonna be one dollar short every year. You made a million dollars this year, though. Well, uh, yeah, I did, but I spent a million and one of them. So I got I to gotta borrow a dollar from somebody to pay off this last bill, right? So no matter how much money you make, you have to spend less than you make. It's been said that offense wins games, but defense wins championships. So if you're a really smart guy and you make a lot of money, great. But that's no guarantee that you'll end up wealthy in five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, all right? Because if you spend more than you make, it doesn't matter, all right? So you have to think about financial defense. Uh, Dave Ramsey, who's, uh, you know, his whole business is built on finances and helping people get out of debt and things like that. He has a saying that I love, which is act your wage, okay? You've heard the phrase, act your age. Act your wage, all right? If you make $50,000 a year, act like somebody who makes $50,000 a year. That makes sense, right? Don't act, don't try to be somebody like, look at you, you make $50,000 a year, but don't try to act like somebody who makes $100,000 a year because you don't make $100,000 a year. You make $50,000 a year, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that, but act like somebody who makes $50,000 a year. Don't try to spend all of these things and, and live above and beyond and try to impress other people. If you make this amount of money, act like somebody who makes that amount of money. And you have to save, if you're gonna save, intentionally. It has to be intentionally done. George Mallory was a mountaineer from England who had the ambition of climbing Mount Everest. And he was part of a British expedition over to Mount Everest in 1921. He went over there and he was, you know, uh, uh, on Mount Everest, didn't make it to the top. The next year he had the goal, I'm going to make it to the top. 1922, he said, I'm going to make it to the top. The third trip to Mount Everest was in 1924. In 1924, he, we don't know if he made it to the top, but he died and he didn't make it back down. Future climbers actually found his body in 1999, many, many years later. This climb, of course, as you know, is not a simple one. It can be very deadly. The air is thin. The weather can be unpredictable. The ascent can be very treacherous. And so people ask him the question, why do you want to climb Mount Everest? When asked when, why he wanted to climb, climb Mount Everest, he replied, because it is there. Why does a foolish man spend all his money? Because it is there. Why do you spend that money? Because it's there. I have it, so I'm gonna spend it, right? The wise man, though, thinks, all right, if I'm gonna save money, I have to do it on purpose. Proverbs 21, verse number 20, there is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man 
spendeth it up. All right? So you have two different sides of people. Some people are natural savers. Okay? Some people are natural spenders. You have these two sides of things, and there's a balance that, of course, needs to take place. But if you're going to save money, you have to be purposefully intentional in saving the money. Now, some of you are natural savers, and that won't be a problem for you because you naturally save the money anyway, right? And you don't need anybody to tell you that's your natural disposition, maybe because you're always thinking about, I want to save for this thing or whatever. Uh, whatever the reason is, maybe you have this as your natural disposition that you're a saver, okay? So this maybe won't be as big of a problem. Maybe you're a natural spender, or maybe you're not somebody who keeps on top of your finances, and so you're always thinking, hey, where did my money go? I made, I got a bonus last month, but I don't have any extra money. Where did it go? Well, you're going to have to be intentional. And again, this is where I think technology can play a big part into helping you to save the money. And one of the big things that you could do is save the money before you see it. Okay? Save it before you see it, all right? So if you have direct deposit with your company and they do, you have all sorts of options. You can automatically pull some of that and put it into some retirement account. You have all sorts of different things. You can have it where when you have a paycheck come in, you can have it divided between uh, two different accounts. So maybe you have a checking account, you have a savings account. Divide it and split it and do all of these things. Do it before you even spend it so that you don't see it. You don't even see it. It's already in your retirement account. It's already in your savings account. You're looking at your checking account and you're like, okay, I got my paycheck in. This is how much I have to spend. And that could be a big help to you. If you have trouble with your spending, then I would recommend, and you've, you've tried everything. I tried the app. I tried budgeting. I tried all of these things. Okay. If you're going to take it to another level, another way for you to be purposeful and intentional with saving your money is don't use a credit card, okay? Don't use a credit card. Now, I have a credit card, so I'm not preaching against credit cards. I have them, but you have to understand, okay, credit card companies are not there because they love you so much, okay? <laughs> credit card companies are there to do what? Make money. Make money from who? you. <laughs> okay. So maybe you're disciplined enough to pay off your bill every month and things like that. Now there is also some psychological, you know, there have been studies, people who pay cash versus people who pay with a credit card tend to spend more. If you have a credit card, you tend to spend a little bit more. So even when you think, Hey, I'm paying it off every month, you might have a tendency to spend a little bit more. So there's that aspect of it. So, you know, there's a, it's a complicated relationship, but especially if you're struggling with saving money and you're like, oh, this credit card bill is bigger than I thought it was going to be and I, you know, I'm, I, I can't pay off the bill every single month, or even if you do spend it, pay it off every single month, but then at the end of the month you have nothing left, then don't use a credit card, okay? Because your credit card company will give you a, a, a limit that is higher than your monthly income, okay? They're going to give it to you. And I remember when I first was getting my credit cards, my very first credit card, was when I was in college, okay? This was back in the day. I don't know if they still do this. I don't think that they do, but I, was, I, I went to college when you would go on campus that first week of college, and they would have all of these booths. You know, People would invite you over, hey, join our club, be a part of this program. These are some of the things that are offered at the college. So you know, if you have any questions, you could come ask us. If you have you know, different situations, there's resources all over the place. And you have credit card companies signing up college students. 
And so I was like, all right, what do I need to do? Nothing. Just sign your name. I don't make any money. It's okay. We'll give you a credit card, all right? I was making zero dollars, and they gave me a credit card. So that tells me credit card companies don't care how much you make. They'll give you a limit more than whatever it is that you make. So if you struggle with that, be honest enough to at least say, you know what? I do struggle, so at least for a time, I'm going to put the credit cards away. Dave Ramsey had a classic thing where he would cut the credit cards with the scissors and say, get rid of them. Now we have everything online anyway, so that may not save you, <laughs> all right? So be careful with that. But maybe you do need to pull back on that, all right? And I know it's complicated buying things online. All, you know, it, it, it's, it's not a straightforward process, but use a debit card, use cash, use something that will help get this into play. Some people are better than others, all of these sorts of things, but just be aware of that, okay? So you need to save intentionally. Purposefully save, all right, I'm gonna save $100 a month and I'm gonna put it away. Or I'm gonna save $25, I'm gonna save $500, I'm gonna save something and I'm not even gonna see it. Put it away, all right? The second principle regarding savings is save the increase, all right? So in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, there's a passage about the Pharaoh of Egypt had a dream. He went to sleep one night and he had a dream. His dream was that out of the Nile River came these seven fat cows. They just climbed out of the river and they were just walking around on the land. After the seven fat cows came seven skinny cows. The seven skinny cows came out of the Nile River after the fat cows. The seven skinny cows ate the seven fat cows and you would think that they would be fat, but they weren't. They stayed skinny. And it woke Pharaoh up from his sleep, and he was probably thinking, wow, that was unusual. He went back to sleep. He had another dream. Out in the fields, there was a stalk of corn that came up, and on that stalk were seven fat, juicy cobs of corn, just all on this one stalk. After that came another stalk, where the cobs of corn were thin and dry and not juicy at all. And it consumed the seven fat ones, and they stayed thin and dry. And Pharaoh woke up, and he said, what was that? So he asked everybody in the land, all right, you know, is your job here? You had some people there. What does this dream mean? And he said, we don't know. And long story short, Joseph, who was in jail, he knew the baker and the butler, and he had interpreted their dreams. He stood before Pharaoh and he said, God is going to tell you the meaning of your dreams. This is what the dreams mean. The next seven years will be boom years. You're going to see a massive bull market. Everything's going to go great for the next seven years. The seven years after that are going to be a massive bear market. It's the economy is going to collapse. There's going to be a famine for seven years. It's going to be so bad that those seven years will eat up all of the excess of the first seven years, so much so that at the end of the famine, there's going to be nothing left. It's going to be gone. It's going to be like famine land. All right. And, and Joseph said, all right, you got two separate dreams. That means it's going to happen soon. So be ready. And so Pharaoh said, all right, what should we do? And Joseph said, you should pick somebody to oversee the saving of the excess. 
So tw uh, uh, whatever the access was, I, I forget how much it was, it might have been 20% or, but he saved all of the access, store it away for the seven evil years. And so that's how we're going to make it. All right, so that's what he says in verse number 34. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land and take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years. So save 20% of, of all of the income from the first seven years and let them gather up all the food of those good years that come and lay out corn under the hand of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities. And that food shall be forestored to the land against the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land perish not through famine. So here's what Joseph said. He said, you're going to have some great years, but save from the great years to pay for the bad years. All right. Save in advance to pay for the bad years. That's the plan. And so they did the plan. Now, every country probably was doing great for the next seven years, right? Jacob and Joseph, not Joseph, but you know, all the people, they, they were doing great. Everybody was doing great. But Egypt was actually holding back during the good years, right? They were actually taking 20% and putting it away. So maybe some other countries were thinking, hey, we're doing better. Hey, we're doing good. And then the famine hits, and guess what? As we know from the book of Genesis, what ends up happening? Everybody comes to Egypt. Because they know Egypt has something saved. So what's the lesson here? The lesson here is save the increase. Save the excess. So you can get an excess from a raise. You can get an excess from a bonus. You can get an excess from somebody gives you a gift. You know, somebody gives you an inheritance. You can have an excess. The average person will probably think, hey, I got a, let's say you get a $1,000 a month bonus. I got a $1,000 a month bonus. I'm going to spend $1,000 more this month than last month because I got a bonus. I have that extra money. But remember, what is the foolish man? He spends up all his money because it is there. All right. The wise man, though, plans and thinks ahead. Now, I've heard from actually secular people that they recommend of every raise that you get, save 50% of it. So if you get a $1,000 raise, you automatically take off 50% of it and you put it away and you spend the other half. That will help you to get ahead. Now, whether you save that much or not, maybe you save more, maybe you don't save any of it, that's all up to you. But I highly recommend save extra. Save something. Don't think of it as, all right, I'm going to spend every dollar that comes in. That's not a wise way of living, all right? So put it into savings. Put something away. Proverbs chapter 24, verse number 30 gives us a good reason why. He says, Solomon says, I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And lo, it was all grown over with thorns and nettles had covered the face thereof and the stone wall thereof was broken down. Then I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. All right? So why was the vineyard owner so lax? He was lax because he thought he could get away with it, but the last verse teaches us, poverty comes as one that traveleth. Poverty comes as an armed man. What does that mean? All right. What that means is he's saying it's like being robbed, right? 
everything seems fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, and then you get robbed and you have nothing. It came suddenly. A man that traveleth is, hey, I don't see any problems. Hey, there's no problems here. Nothing's going wrong. Everything's fine. And suddenly the man that traveleth shows up at your door and takes what you have. The point is that poverty can come quickly. All right. Now, I mentioned before that I graduated college. I graduated from the university in 2008. Okay. Now, those of you that were not around in 2008, <laughs> right? you may not remember this. All right, some of you will remember it very well, all right? And some of you will remember everything seemed fine. In fact, things seemed pretty good until they were not good, until there was trouble, until there were problems, right? And things can happen like that, not just on a national scale, it can happen suddenly. Suddenly, you find out your business is struggling and they're laying off 10% of the business and you might be one of that 10%. And now what do you do? Everything was fine. Suddenly, I have no income. What am I gonna do? Now, there's some resources and things like that that you might be able to pull from, but hopefully you have saved a little bit to tide you over to the future. Uh, you know, again, to go back to Dave Ramsey, he does a great job of, if you know nothing about finance, you know nothing about savings, you know nothing about debt, you know nothing about these things, he does a great job with all of that. He recommends having an emergency fund have a set amount, build towards a certain amount that will help you when you have an emergency, you get laid off, suddenly you have to go to the hospital and you have a big bill, have something saved up to pay off of that. And different people have different amounts that they recommend. Some people say three, three to six months is usually the number that I've heard. Some people save more than that and they save it in a savings account and that's what they do. The third principle regarding, regarding savings is save immediately. Save today. Proverbs chapter 30, verse number 24 says, There be four things which are little upon the earth, but they are exceeding wise. The ants are not people, are, are a people not strong, yet they prepare their meat in the summer. All right? We are in the month of June. We are in the summertime. I have personal experience with these wise ants who are preparing for the wintertime. Okay? They are preparing, and I know that they are going to come, and they are going to prepare for me, <laughs> or at least they will try to, all right? That's what they're doing. What are they doing all summer long? They are preparing for the winter time. Now, it might be early. Oh, winter's not for a long time. It's five months away, six months away. The ants are like, but it's summertime, and it's time to prepare. That ought to be the attitude that we have as well. In the good times, save your money. Okay? In the good times, when you think, wow, things are going great, that should not be your cue. All right, let's go spend. It ought to be things are going great. That means we have a little bit extra that we could save. We can enjoy some of it and we could save even more than we normally do because you never know what's going to happen. Your car is going to break down. Suddenly you have a health crisis. Suddenly maybe your business isn't doing as well as you thought. Maybe all sorts of things that are out of your control. The economy, right? 2008, 2000, all of these things. You didn't have any control of that. It just happened. And you've got to be ready and prepared for those sorts of things. And so we've got to be ready as well. So again, to go back to Luke chapter 16, be diligent to know well the state of thy flock. So what does that mean? Practically speaking, biblically, you got to have a game plan. Have a plan. 
This is how much I'm going to give to God. This is how much I'm going to save. This is how much I pay on my regular bills. And this is all of the extra that I get to enjoy on things that you want to enjoy. That's all great and well. But have a plan. Stick to your plan. Work hard to make money, but do a great job on the defensive side of saving. Don't spend every dollar that comes in. Save something. And all of these principles are found in the Bible. All, right? all of these principles are biblically based. We would do well to follow them. So have a game plan, work hard and make money, and save it as well.